Did you guys like when Matt described America's new offices as there? I say hip. And I was like, Lay. <laughs> young? They are young. Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the mightily young, inconclusively hip, and devoutly lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Hello. And Olga Segura. <laughs> hey, guys. I don't know <laughs> what that pause was for. <laughs> really build up the suspense there, Zach. <laughs> yep. Uh, just uh, really and a funk currently. Yeah. What, what could possibly get you out of that funk? Funny you ask. Today we are drinking pumpkin spice lattes. We are PSLing all over the place in the studio. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I know this might be surprising, but this has been our most controversial drink choice It really has. Ever. Nothing Everyone has is... torn the host apart, like, deciding yeah. on this PSL drink I'm today. like, it would be a really fun thing. Let's spike some pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> Ashley and... and I are just like, absolutely not. It's Furious. September, it's not even fall. I don't like lattes. <laughs> Ashley tried, to, Ashley made me try and order a sugar-free pumpkin spice latte. And... Okay, you can get sugar-free vanilla lattes, sugar-free caramel lattes. Why can't you get sugar-free pumpkin spice lattes? I don't know, but I thought it was a dumb idea when you told me and the dirty look that the Starbucks person gave me <laughs> just confirmed, confirmed it, for you. it was a dumb okay, idea. All right. Before we like get way too deep into this, I've never actually had a pumpkin spice latte and I don't think Olga has either. So we're going to try them right now. All right. Okay. Tell me what you think. It's a, well, First, can you comment on the color of these pumpkins? It looks like, like melted radioactive. Liquid, yeah. It's like liquid <laughs> it's way pumpkin too pie. Orange. It was like that before I poured in the maker's mark. <laughs> Okay. So, alrighty. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. cheers. This um, is the sound of a cardboard cup clinking. <laughs> okay. Oh, be honest. That's not that bad. It's, it's not, not as... that bad, but it's not that good. Yeah, yeah. It kind of tastes like, like a t- candle. Yeah. No. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah, it goodness. tastes like a pumpkin candle. You guys are probably anti candy corn, too, aren't you? I love candy corn. Oh, I do not like candy corn. <laughs> All right. Next time, candy corn cocktail. Okay. Oh, Lord. No, yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> Teams are switching. <laughs> Okay, who's our guest, Olga? So today we'll be talking with Audrey Assad, who is a critically acclaimed songwriter and musician. So yeah, she's no, pretty she's much like a rock star. A Catholic rock star, right? Yeah, and if you've never heard of her music, um, you, you probably maybe... have and you just don't know it. Yes, that, I think that happened to some people <laughs> on staff here. It's like, oh, yeah, that we sang that in my Newman Center or mm-hmm. campus <laughs> ministry department. Um, but, you know, if you're turned off to the praise and worship, world in general uh, i would still stick around her and her music as i i told her in the interview tends to a more catholic mysticism at times right yeah, yeah and it's very raw it's not it like is. it's not as it's not uplifting upbeat, like it's like i mean you can be upbeat but like, it's not saturine it's not like mm-hmm. yeah no i as someone who does not dabble in praise and worship <laughs> <laughs> i do dabble in Audrey Assad. <laughs> thanks for bringing back that verb <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, it was super exciting because, you know, I've been following her for a long time and I'm a big fan of hers and a big Twitter fan of hers in general. Yeah. And so she was doing an Ask Me Anything on Twitter and I was just like boldly like, you want to come on Jesuitical? She said she'd love to. So here we are. Nice. But before we get into that, it's time for Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. Uh, so we'll start in Mexico where a... Um, a large earthquake measuring 7.1 has 
caused extensive damage and over 200 deaths. Um, so our prayers are with the people of Mexico City, um, and Pope Francis is also praying for them. Pope Francis said on Tuesday, May our mother, the Virgin of Guadalupe, with great tenderness, be near the beloved Mexican nation. So we are definitely praying for Mexico. This is a really terrible event, and only two weeks after they experienced one of their largest earthquakes ever um, in the southern part of the country. So, thinking of people in Mexico today. What's next, Olga? So, since we've been talking about nuns a lot lately, and sort of, our very own Zach Davis wrote a piece about why stories like the Chainsaw Nuns really get people rattled up, and it's because they're not aware of all the other cool stuff that nuns are doing. So, because it's National Hispanic Heritage Month, I decided to bring this story with these eleven about these eleven nuns who from Peru who have started a rock band called Siervas, and it's a play on the word servants in Spanish. And they're actually pretty great, you know. Um, better than rapping nuns. <laughs> better, better than rapping nuns, but still pretty great because the intention behind the music is great. They're really trying to appeal to young people, and they say that one of the ways to do it is through music, you know. And they were just they were in California at a Spanish yes. language Catholic festival, and, and they're, they're up for a Grammy, right? Yeah, I think or, they're waiting. The nominations are dropping yeah. today, so I think they're waiting to uh. see if they are nominated, which would be really great because I don't think I've ever heard of nuns being nominated for a Grammy. Mm, none have won it. Uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> and, and what's moving next, on <laughs> uh, so you may remember from uh, a few episodes past episode 27 we had Lino Rulli the Catholic guy the Catholic the guy Catholic the guy. Catholic guy oh behold there is another Catholic guy which I think Lino mentioned on yeah. the episode mm-hmm. so Bruce Downs who is again the Australian Catholic guy will have a slot on the Trinity Broadcasting Network, which is home to a lot of prominent televangelists in the United States. And so I had never heard of this place and I didn't think you guys had either. Yeah, hadn't. Nope. But I think I think this is a super positive sign um, because I think a lot of Catholics, if they stop being Catholic, um, are drawn to either Protestant faith or, you know, they'll watch these channels a lot. And so Bruce has said that his, the mission of his show is to try and, you know, convince people or just invite people back to their Catholic faith. Yeah. So moving away from international news, Ashley, you've got some U.S. news for us. And homegrown news. Yeah, no, finally, some good news out of Virginia and the Diocese of Arlington. Well, um, we'll debate whether it's good or not. <laughs> go All right. Francis FX Giacchio, um, ha- he has his own mowing business, and he wanted uh, to expand his clientele. So wow. he sent a letter to the president of the United States offering to mow his lawn. A.K.A. the White House lawn. <laughs> yeah, and so there are these great images of Trump screaming at a boy mowing his lawn that emerged on social media. And this is Catholic news because FX, as he is known, um, <laughs> is a longtime altar server at 11 years it, old. I was going to say, as long time as you can be at 11. <laughs> three, three years. He's a vet. On the, <laughs> He's an on the altar. <laughs> he makes the rookies carry out the incense. He doesn't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Yes. So he said, quote, I always wanted to meet the president, but I also wanted to mow somewhere that's not a normal place. Wow. <laughs> so he, being the entrepreneur that he is, just like sent a letter to the White House offering to mow the lawn, he did so. And there's a great video that was kind of like tweeted out by the president with zero context of this 11-year-old mowing the lawn and just being like, great job, <laughs> FX. <laughs> also... He did a bad job. Oh, Lord. Oh, you had to bring me down. Yeah, so... I finally had some good news. There are clearly bring. strips missing where he didn't He didn't cut the grass. So, you know, look, 
When mowing, you have to make sure that your right wheel is in the previous area where you just mowed. Otherwise, you have strips like that. Okay, well, uh, President Trump begs to differ because he tweeted, quote, on behalf of Melania and myself, thank you for doing a great job this morning. National Park Service gives you an A+. I'm sure that Trump has never <laughs> mowed a lawn, so I'm not sure. But, you know, I'm going to take up uh, Jacquio's, uh idea of trying to go, some, you know, do your job, but somewhere interesting, mm-hmm. because the White House clearly needs a copy editor. It's true. So I'm going to offer to copy edit some of their uh, statements. Okay, good luck with that. Thank you. So what's next, Ashley? Uh, Yes, uh, also kind of related to Twitter. uh, Also close to home. Also close to home. (laughs) How do we respond to Catholic internet trolls? This has been a live question at the America Magazine Mm -hmm. offices this week. Um, Yeah. Why is that, Zach? (laughs) Because um, if you were on the internet this weekend, uh, this past weekend, uh, Father James Martin, who is a frequent guest of Jesuitical and also a colleague of ours here at America, previously published a book, uh, Building a Bridge, which we talked to Jim about. um, And there's been some controversy about it. Not everyone's, you know, agreed about what was in it or what was left out. But ultimately, Jim is just encouraging, you know, the Catholic Church to be open to building bridges with the LGBT community. That's caused some controversy, and he was uninvited from a couple of, like, very uh, high-profile talks that he was invited to give. Which were, he was going to speak on Jesus, correct? Right. He was not even coming to talk about the controversial book. He was coming to speak on Jesus. So Jim was invited. Jesus is pretty controversial. That's true. Good point. As he should be. (laughs) Yes. But there was a social media campaign against um, Theological College and CAFOD, which is um, this Catholic group in London. also, and, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in New York. So he's disinvited from all those places, not because the actual institutions were against what he was going to say. He was going to talk about Jesus, but because they felt this external pressure from social media. From Catholic trolls. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we thought we would take this opportunity to talk about the problem more broadly of of people on, using social media as a bludgeon to shut down you know, important conversations that are sensitive. Whether you're giving a talk at a university or you're just tweeting out your own opinion. Mm-hmm. So some of the organizations that, you know, have in, have launched these media, social media campaigns against Jim have, he, he's not their first target. Uh, Church Militant, LifeSite News, the Lepanto Institute, these are some of the organizations that do this. Right. Um, and, you know, like not giving a talk, that's unfortunate, but they've also been involved in campaigns that have resulted in people losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, So last year, the uh, editor-in-chief of Catholic News Service, which is it it falls under the U.S. Catholic Bishops Conference, um, he was uh, fired after... Tweeted something about thinking the the transgender bathroom bill being stupid. The North Carolina bill, yeah. He tweeted against that, and that was seen as... Um, insufficiently Catholic. Uh, the year before that, um, a financial officer at Catholic Relief Services um, was outed by the Lepanto Institute as having gotten a civil marriage certificate. He, he was not public about it. He was mm-hmm. not in a position at CRS that required you to be Catholic, but Lepanto Institute made his civil marriage to another man public, and then after a bunch of pressure, he decided to resign to not subject his family to this negative publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more recently, an adjunct English professor at the at Franciscan University, Steubenville in Ohio, 
was not did not have her contract renewed after some social media pressure for not being yeah. sufficiently pro-life enough. Yeah. So how do how do we respond to these people who, you know, they can hide hide behind anonymous names if it's Twitter or even if it is just, you know, writing under one of these websites is the best thing to do to engage to like get into twitter wars well and i think it's important to remember that the church has like governance structures right in the way things are supposed to be run and social media in general gives people who shouldn't i mean not that they shouldn't have platforms but it can overemphasize mm-hmm. someone's influence significantly yeah. right so you don't know if you have um you know, one of your constituents or one of your community members who's concerned or one of your um, your superiors or bosses who's concerned. It's just some random person yeah. who could be thousands of miles away. Um, and the gospel also has like instructions for how to deal with disagreements in the church, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, you know, you're supposed to go to this person one-on-one first. And if that doesn't work, you go to, an- you bring another person to confront them. And if that doesn't work, you go to the church community. And that yeah. is not the same as hurling tweets at one another. Yeah. Right, right. And what I find interesting is I didn't even know about these websites until recently. And it's surprising that in Jim's case, for example, like he's gotten support from a lot of bishops. A lot of these individuals have gotten support from bishops and from higher ups, but there's still like this small faction of Catholic voices that sit, that are small, but still seem to possess an outrageous amount of power. In, in response to Jim's being disinvited from these organizations, um, Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego wrote a very strong defense of him uh, at americamagazine.org, um, basically saying that these these voices that are trying to shout down dialogue are driven by homophobia, uh, a misguided view of Catholic social teaching, and a, you know, a case against pope francis <laughs> right it's not really cool to be anti-pope if you're catholic so you just pick someone who's acting like him and yell at him instead or her yeah. instead all right so like how do we move forward from this very desolating <laughs> social media war so a great starting point could be the recent editorial that we just published which is titled how to respond to catholic internet trolls um, and there's one really great quote within that says that the work of evangelization seeks not the defeat of those in error, but their conversion. And it ends not in victory, but in communion. So, yeah, even though we can see a lot of ugly voices pop up on social media, it's important to remember that these are a few voices. And there are a lot of other hopeful Catholic voices out there that are super helpful and super encouraging, you know, especially like us. the three of us. <laughs> the three of us. <laughs> and also, if you see me tweeting mean things, call me out on it because yes. I shouldn't do it. And you do. And I mm-hmm. do sometimes. So yes. let me know. <laughs> Send me a DM. But do, do it nicely. <laughs> yeah, do it nicely. Do, Come tell him directly. And if he doesn't listen, bring a friend and tell Zach to be nice on Twitter. And if finally, <laughs> I still do not uh, let off. Subtweet me. <laughs> As Jesus commanded. So we're pleased to welcome critically acclaimed songwriter and musician, Audrey Assad. Welcome to Jesuitical, Audrey. Thank you. It was good to be here. And you're also featured in the Spotify playlist, Hymns for Hipsters. <laughs> really? Yes. I don't know if you were aware of that, but... I was not aware. I didn't know it existed. Is it an official <laughs> Spotify playlist, or is that something that... No, like, I think fa- I think it's an official Spotify playlist. Well, they should have called it Hymsters. That's like a really oh, missed opportunity, if you ask me. Yep. All right. Well, we can start the unofficial Hymsters, Hymsters. list. Cool. <laughs> Heard it first on Jesuitical. 
So Audrey, you first describe yourself as a Syrian American in your bio. Why is it important for you to begin with that aspect of your identity? I like to um, reemphasize wherever I can, I'm a whole human with a story that begins before I ever made a record. And my heritage is a huge part of why I am who I am and why I do what I do the way that I do it. I mean, so much of our, you know, our work and our, our art or whatever it is that we do in life, you know, is born out of our context. And that's my context. So um, I just think it's important uh, to contextualize me as an artist and as an advocate and as a person. And, you know, you've got this platform because of the music you've made. Um, How do you feel about sort of using it to raise issues that I I imagine in the praise and worship world, you know, some of these Mm -hmm. opinions that you have aren't super widely held and you and you might get into some uh i don't know i'm imagining you catch some flack sure um it's been a journey i mean i i wasn't always as outspoken uh publicly as i am now when my sense of the gospel became more tied to the idea of justice uh for the poor for the marginalized for you know all men and women um you tweet a lot about black it, lives matter and, and yeah, about refugees when, when that happened for me as a person it became something to where i believe i started to see worship as being inseparable from that mission um that when we worship god we're worshiping a god who is not only about you know the things that i grew up thinking he was about which was sort of like salvation from hell. That was really my childhood faith. Mm -hmm. I went to God, uh, as a person who needed to be saved from hell in my mind, you know, I was like, that's what he's for. (laughs) And now I'm, I'm starting to see, you know, the gospel is a many, many faceted jewel, but justice is a big part of what the gospel is about on this earth today. I really believe that. So I think when I became, when I came to that kind of place, it became imperative for me to, tie my art to that concept because I don't see how you can separate them entirely. So just for listeners who aren't aware of this, your your father is a Syrian refugee, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so when the, the war broke out, did that shift your perspective on it, your yeah, music? You know, it was a definitely a reckoning point in terms of me really realizing that you know, my heritage is not just about the food I grew up eating or the uh, music I grew up listening to, you know, with a Syrian dad, but that my dad's story um, shapes my story and my story will shape my children's stories. And as I began to lead into that, I couldn't help but advocate. Uh, It was not a choice I made out of some ideal that I held for myself, like, oh, I want to be an advocate. And that's what I think cool people do or something like that. And I, I think it came across that way. It comes across the way to some people because it seems sort of like a sudden shift in my public mm-hmm. voice. Um, but it really, it really was more of an awakening. And then it was a decision. It's, I, I just sort of can't sleep at night <laughs> if I don't address it. Do you feel like you're risking alienating parts of your audience when you do speak about social justice? Yeah, I know that I do. Um, parts of the base are feel very alienated, have let me know in no uncertain terms that they feel that way. Um, and the way that I feel about that is that it's unfortunate, but it's not really part of my job description to, uh, to cater to people who 
have every right to stop listening to me or following me on Twitter, but they're really not my, you know, my purview. Um, they're not for first and foremost anyway. So I just kind of think like it, life is so short. I could die tomorrow. Will I be worried about whether or not, you know, I made sure everybody felt comfortable around me? Probably not. If I was, if I knew I was going to die, that wouldn't be on my mind. <laughs> um, so that's just kind of how I'm choosing to live, I guess. Yeah, so you, you wrote on your blog um, that you have heard many times some version of you're an artist, stop talking about politics, just saying, yeah. um, and that you you see the role of um, the artist and beauty as being prophetic. So what, what does being a prophetic artist mean to you right now? Are you Catholic Bono? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think a lot of people in a lot of jobs hear that a lot. You know, um, there are people like this, Ms. Hill on ESPN, you know, recently mm. commenting about um, white supremacy and Donald Trump and Colin Kaepernick, and she's getting flack handed to her for commenting on those things and saying you're you're a sportscaster, stick to sports. I will say, um, I I think that people of all walks of life get that comment, but I think I do think women probably get it more, mm-hmm. and I think that you know. Artists are not, uh, they're whole people. And for me, that what it means to be prophetic is to try to lean into what is moving and shaping me as much as I can um, and open my mouth when I feel like I should. It's, it's really not, I hope I don't like over-moralize it. I'm not, you know, the Apostle Paul or whoever. I, mm-hmm. I just try to live in such a way that, I wouldn't regret it tomorrow. Mm. If only Jesus had stuck to carpentry. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, you are a convert to Catholicism. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's it's super interesting because you are sort of, you know, you're lumped into Spotify playlist with, you know, with other uh, praise and worship artists too. And I tend to think that uh, your music has a much more mystical element to it right um you've got we we were listening to some of the new tracks on your new album and you know you have things that uh i don't know praise and worship music in general can tend to be a little uppity and positive and more right you know self-helpy but you've got things like you know wounds may be open and weakness revealed the joy of the lord is my strength and you know Mm -hmm. you're singing joyfully about these things what is it like being in um a, a catholic mystic in a way in a um evangelical space like that it is an adventure. Um, I, I would, you know, I went through the, the thing where I was an, a label artist at a major label and I got all snobby and disillusioned and cynical about Christian music. And I did that whole thing and it was part of my journey an important part. However, I've also come to see the beauty and the simplicity of some of the things that other people do that I, I've, I've come to love things that I never thought I would love just by being open to the fact that mysticism mystical encounter with god takes many different forms so there's no i just want to preface what i'm about to say with saying like there's not really like a right way in the sense that i have figured out the formula in some way you know i i just think there's a lot of room for a lot of things but i think that one place that i find myself a little bit at odds with the business is that i really value uh, the the exploration of and the entering into like real 
real doubt. Um, because for me, doubt is something that is just a fact. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not a negative. It's just, it's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And as the more that I have a per, as a person have realized that doubt doesn't have to be this threatening kind of frightening, um, negative thing that we have to try to escape and get out of as fast as possible, but rather a reality of being human that we just live with in whatever capacity we live with it. Um, it can change from season to season. You know, uh, there might be times where it practically seems non-existent to us, but it just exists and we exist with it. And as I've grown comfortable with that, I've really started to value music that uh, moves in and out of that with the same kind of comfort. And I think that's really unusual in praise and worship world because we have really moved away from the practice of lamenting. We have moved away from the practice of singing scriptures that don't affirm. How do I put it this way? Like the Psalms and Job and like a lot of books are full of scriptures. We could be singing at church to give room for people who might be feeling and existing inside of those types of emotions and spiritual spaces mm. that day, but we don't really do that. It's sort of I mean, we not have, part we, of our practice. We have on Eagle's Wings. What are you... <laughs> <laughs> are I you mean, saying we yeah. want more? Do you think... I, think, yeah. I feel like it could be a, like a factor of, of, I don't know, Christians feeling kind of embattled and that if they mm-hmm. put, if they show their doubt on their sleeves right. in a culture that's increasingly secular, like that's kind of like yeah. letting down Giving the fortresses or something. Or something. Right, right. So do you ever feel additional pressure when you're on stage to sort of, as a worship leader, to look as if you've got it all figured out, like you've got it all together? Yeah, because uh-huh. I feel like your audience is like, if someone's going to an Audrey Asad concert, they're not like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go in and deal with my doubt right now. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. I think um, that I have created a culture, a mini little culture of my own, where people come to my stuff and either they're prepared to do that or they come out sort of hoping that they will be prepared to do that in the future because I get, I get up on stage and I'm like, I have a, I have a compulsion that's the opposite of what you're saying. I, I have this compulsion that sometimes can go into like over revealing to where Hmm. I put my story out there as much as possible um, with all of its kind of imperfection and, uh, I talked extensively about doubt because I think people feel more at home with me when they know that even that day, you know, I might be like, I'm up here and I don't even know what I believe right now. Mm -hmm. And this is me. I say this all the time at my concerts. These songs sound more sure of themselves than they, than they are. And the reason is that I, I like to enter into these ideas and the scriptures that I write from as an attempt to pray these things that to me do, often don't make sense. And so the songs are my attempt at making sense out of things that don't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I often use a picture where I say, like, I, I it's like I walk through life with my hands up in the air. And in one hand, I'm holding, like, the Psalms and the scriptures. In the other hand, I'm holding my lived experience. And my prayer life is basically me just saying, God, these things don't match. <laughs> and, yeah. like, help me understand. Or if you're not going to help me understand, then, like, give me some sense that I'm walking on the right tightrope here. You know, like, that's really what my prayer life is like. And I think a lot of people have that experience and don't feel free to share that. So I go kind of maybe overboard in sharing it because I'm like, <laughs> I want you to know, you know, that I'm not up here like feeling certain of anything. I'm just not, it's not who I am. It's not how I live. I wish I did sometimes, but I don't. And, 
so my compulsion is to lay that out there as quickly as I can. So people feel more free to do that themselves. So I think, um, you know, praise and worship music in general, isn't as, uh, popular in universally among Catholics as it is. It might right. be in other denominations. Do you have like an elevator pitch, uh, maybe <laughs> to other Catholics to <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe people have this conception that they're like, right. they're weird youth minister who wouldn't stop right. inviting them to pizza in the parish hall yeah. only listens yeah, to yeah. it with their hands up. Totally. Totally. Well, I think I have had that conversation a few times with people who are very against it. I mean, really against it. And my thing is, again, you know, people need different things at different places in their journey. I view myself and I think a lot of artists and writers as porters on the road, offering a drink of water to people. And the well I'm drawing my water from might not be the well that the hymn writer down the street is drawing their water from. Um, but it's water and people need it. And I, I, because I love the mystics and because I, I've even dived into like studying a little bit. I'm very little. I'm such a lay person, but, uh, about Jewish mysticism and seeing the way that, um, that's been a, that's been part of the church's roots from the beginning. Um, I mean, Pentecost itself is a very mystical kind of charismatic, um, literally, you know, experience of, of God's presence and power and praise and worship music sometimes has the, has the, the mind and the heart to facilitate that more so than like hymns might, but I love them both. I just think the more that we can get to a place where we're able to look around at people who are doing things differently and say, wow, I didn't know there was so much room for that, but look, there's so much room for so many different things. So I don't try to prescribe it. I just try to help people understand that there's room, you know, for stuff that doesn't make sense to you or me right now. (laughs) Okay. So you said people shouldn't be doing this, but I do have a question. Should people be singing your songs in church? Like were, are they made for being like hymns that we would sing in church? Um, and some of my songs maybe, yeah, but a lot of them are not really like I, in my fortunate fall liner notes, I indicated which ones were kind of designed for what purpose. And most of them were more suitable to something like a praise and worship meeting or adoration than they were for mass. Mm-hmm. Because I am hesitant to say that what I do is sacred music. Exactly. Mm. Um, I like to leave that to the liturgists out there, uh, <laughs> deciding what makes sense for their community on a Sunday, um, in their particular parish culture with their priests, you know, it's kind of like, I, I recognize and respect the kind of autonomy of the different little parish mm-hmm. cultures that exist. Okay. So that, that said, do yeah. you think it's time to maybe update the hymnal since it's, <laughs> it's been a while? <laughs> oh man. Well, my personal preferences. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think they're a little bit of a bummer, but <laughs> I, I, you know, at the same time, I mean, I know I keep doing this, but it's really how I feel. I'm like, but I would rather be at Sunday mass with the folky, like 70s kumbaya people who really, <laughs> really, really care and who are like really passionate, you know, than I would with anybody who's doing anything out of a sense of like, this is just how it must be done or yeah. whether that's praise and worship or not. Because to be honest, a lot of people who are really, really advocates for praise and worship in the church are also just like that. They're like, this is how we have to do it. It has to look this way. It has to sound this way. 
I'm like, that's not, I just don't want to be anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. Whatever the music is. I want to be around people who are trying to live life with open hands and be who they really are in context of church. And I, so for me, that's much less about the style and much yeah. more about the spirit. Right. So, right. That. Amen. So Audrey, thanks so much. This, this has been great. And our one final question if you could yeah. canonize anyone, living or dead, Catholic or non-Catholic, who would it be? Fictional or real? Thomas Thomas Merton, for okay. sure. Okay, and why is that? Yeah. Uh, he is a blessedly um, controversial and impacting voice in, in, in Catholicism, and I think he has changed more lives than people realize and doesn't get the recognition that he mm-hmm. ought to. Awesome. Yeah. All right. well, well, thank you so much. We'll let you go. And uh, good luck with the end of pregnancy also. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be praying for you. Three weeks out from due date. When oh, I know. Oh, boy, that's, that's exciting. So, oh, congratulations. Congrats. Thank are you. you. Are and you you're working on an album right now? Yeah, I'm still not done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Please gonna... don't tell me you're also touring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just finished doing that, thankfully. Okay. You yeah. just finished? <laughs> Yeah, so maybe how many like weeks a week pre- and a half ago. Oh my god! <laughs> oh Jesus! <Yeah. laughs> Hashtag it's impressed. been a crazy <laughs> summer. That's wow. awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to talk to us. Thank Even you, Audrey. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. Talk Have a good one. Bye. Bye. All right, now it's time for some listener feedback. First, we have the announcement of the winners of last week's raffle. (laughs) That was my drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so last week we said that if you left us a review on iTunes, then you'd be entered into a raffle for Jim Martin's new book on prayer. Um, And we have our winners. They are Martin, Taylor, John, Adrian, and Jamie. So... But we got a lot of people reviewing, which was really, really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and and they our- were heartfelt and yeah. great. Yeah. We love you guys. Thank so, you so yeah. much. We we wanted to give books to everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jim if, would only give us five. Yes, so. <laughs> but again, keep keep leaving us reviews. It helps us so much. It helps other people find the mm-hmm. podcast. It helps other people feel connected to Catholics. Um, as, like, it's not just us. I think people feel connected to you, the listener, also yeah. when, mm-hmm. you know. They're feeling lonely, so yeah. Um, Zach, I think you have a. I have an. Apology. I have an apology to make. Oh boy! Uh, last week, I I said some disparaging remarks it, during our Signs of the Times segment about my own state, specifically Toledo. So, if you don't remember, last week we had the story about um, the student from a Catholic high school in Toledo who was sent home in violation of dress code because he was an African American young man with dreadlocks and mm-hmm. dreadlocks were seen as a violation of gospel values mm-hmm. which we <laughs> rightly decried as racist of but course. laura and then i made a disparaging and then yeah said some bad things about toledo and uh laura pointed out to me i shouldn't generalize the entire city based mm-hmm. on one high school administrator's racist decision yes. so laura i apologize us ohioans need to stick together also we want to say thank you to christian and brian who sent us very thoughtful emails this week yeah um, and brian is from pretty close to my hometown and we've never met so that was really great yeah shout out More to ohioans seriously so many ohioans <laughs> a lot of Ohio love. so much solidarity 
All right, now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of the show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Olga? So I've got a consolation this week. Um, Following our conversation with Jim last week, um, I've been thinking a lot more about my prayer life, specifically how Jim mentioned that he envisions God sitting next to him and walking with him, which was something that was very shocking to me that I don't I don't do it. I'm one of those people who prays and it's just like, hey, God, this is what I'm going to say. Help me out. Thanks. You know, Um, but this past Sunday at service, I had because, of course, my boyfriend's Protestant. We go to a Protestant service um, and this woman, it was just me and this woman and she was praying for me. And I had just met her like two weekends ago. So it was very a strange dynamic for me. And she was like, do you want to pray? I'm like, absolutely not. You do this. I will just listen. Um, this is what happens when I invite Olga to lunch too. (laughs) Communal things just scare me. I'm sorry, Zach. Um, but she was praying. She prayed over me for about two or three minutes and it was, it really set the tone for my week. So I've been getting up earlier every day this week. Um, and just really praying and actually working on seeing God in my life early in the morning. Um, so that was really consoling to not only have someone pray for you, but also kind of help you to start to see God in your prayers actively. So, wow, I'm mm. I'm just like shocked that you're waking up earlier. I know, <laughs> I, I know I've heard that you're not a morning person. <laughs> I am not. So two things are consolations: me praying and seeing God, and me getting up before <laughs> six. <Nice. laughs> All right, Ashley, what do you got? Uh, I also have a consolation. Um, so as you know, it's related to a lot of what we've talked about on this show. So there was the social media uproar over Jim's book. Um, So I was kind of down on the internet. (laughs) Just kind of wanted to leave it behind and become a a monk. Um, (laughs) But then I, we had to like talk about our work before the America board, our work on Jesuitical. And to prepare for that, I just started going through all of the emails we've received, all of the iTunes reviews we've gotten, all of the Twitter feedback we've gotten. And it was just like, it was so positive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, okay, the internet can be a vehicle for like actual community. Right. Um, And so, you know, we try every week to, you know, model, uh, you know, faith sharing, mm-hmm. but we we want it to expand beyond the three of us, and it it really has. We've gotten emails from like young parents who have like gotten consolation from the show, or just last week a, a trans man said he 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 was about to get surgery and it got canceled, and he got hope from listening to our conversation, mm-hmm. and so just hearing that that we are actually reaching people and that they're reaching back to us um, has been really, really consoling in a time where it would be easy to write off the internet as a cesspool (laughs) of really hateful speech. Um, So so that was, that was my consolation. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Zach? So like Olga, I was also sparked to think or inspired to think about my prayer life. Uh, last week and I sort of it, it felt I th- what I thought was going to be a desolation because I had realized that I had had you know better prayer in different times in my life than I do now and uh, so I was ready all ready for a desolation but almost in recognizing that God immediately felt closer and so throughout the week I was just noticing that more um, and I think part of it also had to do with preparing for this interview with Audrey Assad I found myself listening to some praise and worship music um, I was Back jamming in touch out. with your roots. Yeah, but actually, so like, <laughs> so returning to these old uh, forms of prayer, um, yeah. something that 
you know, there's a reason we pass down prayers and we pass down yeah. ways of praying, mm-hmm. I think, as Catholics. And so using that as a conduit to feel God's presence was the consolation for me. So even though I was ready to feel down all week because I was like, man, this isn't what it used to be. As mm-hmm. soon as that happened, God drew near, which ah. was great. Oh, that's beautiful. It's wonderful. Thanks, Audrey. Yes. <laughs> and thanks, Audrey and Jim. <laughs> okay, before we wrap up, can we do a PSL yeah. check? I am almost done. Oh, I'm Lord. like uh, five-eighths done. Colleen, engineer, is like two-thirds done. Nice. Oh, there we Olga's are. taken almost zero sips. I've actually taken three mini sips. Three so. mini sips. <laughs> All right, so can we just have black coffee next time? All right. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> I'm All right. One last cheers. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Here's to fall. It's not fall yet. <clears throat> All right, time for credits. <laughs> Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Bondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Adult supervision provided by Sam Sawyer, SJ. Engineering by Colleen Dully. Our logo is by Sean Tripoli, and you can find us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. And please subscribe on iTunes. You can no longer get a free book this week, but maybe in the future we'll draw your name for something either way please subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review this week we have many shout outs yes and please leave us so many that we don't have time to actually do this all right let's go okay Ready. popcorn style yep lent is hope brian of the marsh d21198221 olivial 25 and 2 lec2l nick frega from a nostalgic fjv quantum starfish sw underscore pants dancer b1088 LJ Fisher 57. Florida Social Worker. Old Bap 555. JTEP 26. JTEP 26. His friends call him. Sickles Like. AVBNDC. Lodovico 92. Kimmy Carter 1. IQRUZN. Gilby R. Taylor Geiger. Hannibal Mo 76. Westafarian. Molly Jane. Mr. Marmalade. Ooh. Claire March. And Stephen Grant. Shout out to Stephen Grant. All right, Whew, okay. and I need you a can drink of <laughs> <up> PSL. <laughs> and send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at americanmedia.org. For American Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis and Olga Segura. We will see you next week in actual fall. <laughs> <laughs>